Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. I'm so glad that you could be here with us today. Isn't it good to be together? It's good to be together. Great job, worship team, leading us in song. Uh, yesterday we had a Hot Wheels rally. It went awesome. One of the smoothest ones we've had in years. And I want to thank everybody that helped with this. Some of you volunteered time. Some of you volunteered uh, some talent and uh, some gave money. We had prizes. It was crazy here yesterday. If you can imagine a track from here to the doors and then a bunch of screaming kids and, and screaming parents, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And so thank you again for everyone that took part in this. Uh, we're uh, starting a new series today uh, on our way to Easter called The Road to Easter. And what we're wanting to do today is kind of give you a kind of a summary of what we're going to be doing. Uh, we're, we're looking at a particular verse. If you've got your notes, you want to get your notes out of your bulletin or you can look up on the screen. It's this verse here that caught my attention last year that made me think about this road that led to Jerusalem that led to Easter. And here's the beginning of this road, basically. It's in, in uh, Luke 9.51. It says, when the days were approaching for him to be taken up, Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. So the first few chapters of Luke, Luke is kind of, he's trying to give an accurate account of the life of Christ. But then by chapter 9, he kind of pivots and says, let's, let's just put this in a chronological order if we can. And so through interviewing other people and, and uh, putting his information together, by, by this verse, he begins this this journey, this road, so to speak, to Jerusalem. It's almost like Elijah. If you remember in the Old Testament, Elijah, before he ascended into heaven in a whirlwind, before that happened, he met a guy named Elisha. And so you have this same flavor. For the rest of the, of the book of Luke, he is covering about two months, maybe two or three months worth of time here, because that's all Jesus has left on this earth. And so Jesus begins this road trip to Jerusalem to fulfill his destiny. Now Luke notes a lot of progress, and we've got a lot of verses. How many how many verses we got today, Tom? Oh, Twenty six verses, unless I can come up with a couple off the top of my head. Oh, did I hear a moan? It will not deter me. Okay, look at this. Look at these, look at these verses up here on the screen. Here's, here's an example of some of the things Luke says up here in, um, up here on the screen. As they were walking along the road, there's, there's just a few verses after this. Uh, in Luke 12, he says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they're making their way toward Jerusalem. In Luke 19, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Some scholars believe that Jesus went to Jerusalem three times, and Luke kind of incorporates all three of those visits into one long story. In Luke 19, look at this. So the followers brought the donkey to Jesus. He rode along the road toward Jerusalem. The followers spread their coats on the road before him. And in verse 41 in Luke 19, it says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept. Over it. So we get this idea. This is a moving gospel. This gospel is showing Jesus progressing along. And, and so he's writing down at, like a, like chronicling, uh, if we go on a trip sometimes, we'll, we'll make notations. We went here that day. Then we went here that day. This is what Luke is doing. He's given us kind of a, an accurate progression of this trip, this road trip to Jerusalem. So I got to thinking, what is this road to Easter about? 
I read, I went, I read Luke 9 to 24 a dozen times this week and last week. Just looking at this going, what am I noticing? I tried to find every reference to every time there's a mention of movement in these, these 15 chapters and so, uh, of Luke. And that's what we're looking at today. Well, then I got to thinking, okay, as you're preparing a lesson to craft a lesson, and some of you have taken uh, the class, a class with me on how to sermon prep, C stands for collect and categorize. And so I begin to collect all these verses and I begin to categorize them. And I noticed three categories or three ideas from all these references to this road to Easter. So what is the, and, and this is what I want to talk about. How, or what is this road about? Well, let me give you the first one. The first thing is, this road is about the people Jesus meets. Jesus meets lots and lots of people. From, from the time he sets his face and is determined to go to Jerusalem, he runs into all kinds of people. Do a study sometime. Get on your Google. Get a wherever you want and, and find a chronological order of the ministry of Christ. And when you get to Luke 9, you find Luke 9, look at all the people that are listed after that, after that reference point. Look at this. Here's an example in Luke 14, 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. I couldn't help it this morning. I thought about Forrest Gump. Remember, he goes, I decided to go out on a run. And that, and by the, then there's finally, he's got a following of people, you know, the beard's down to here, and he's running through Monument Valley, and he stops, he goes, wait a minute, he's about to say something? And he turns around and goes, I'm kind of tired. I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> you know, and then he, and everybody goes, what do we do now? And Jesus has got this, this group, this, they begin to follow him, and there's large crowds. He runs into four thousand, feeds four thousand people. If that's not enough, he feeds five thousand people. So he's running into all kinds of people, lots and lots of people along the way. There's good people, bad people, rich people, poor people. There are skeptics. There are critics. He runs into soldiers. He runs into hungry people. He runs into hurting people. Here's a passage here in Luke 17. Look at this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. This is the Samaritans on one side, the Galileans on the other. The Galileans, if you were a Jew, you'd say the good guys. And then the Samaria, Samaria side are the bad guys. They're the, uh, they're the mixed races. They're, they would be called half-breeds. You say, what, what's, what is a Samaritan? Well, a Samaritan basically is someone who is a mixture of a Jew and a Gentile that they got married, they've had some kids. And so they're religious, but they're not pure Jewish. And so Jews and Samaritans did not like one another. Yes, during the Babylonian captivity, when all of God's people were taken into captivity, they would intermarry. And so when they finally came back from captivity, here's this generation of people that are interracial and they want to help rebuild the temple. And the Jews, the, the ones that didn't intermarry with the world said, no. And the Samaritans are mad. They build their own temple. And so the Samaritans, that's why when Jesus, by the way, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, she's, isn't she a Samaritan? And everybody's kind of like, what are you doing talking to her? You're not supposed to talk to Samaritans. You're supposed to, you know, leer at them. Shake your head at them. People, if they were going to Jerusalem, they would go around Samaria to avoid this place, not going in. You guys ever, you got, anybody here got any neighborhoods you, you tend to try to drive around because of maybe some particular reason? 
It's a little dangerous, a little scary, or somebody lives on that street. I'm going to go this way. That's what's going on. Jesus goes, he is walking through Samaria, walking straight through. He's meeting all kinds of people. It says as he approached Jericho, oh, by the way, by the way, when he goes through Galilee and Samaria, notice it says he's going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. And by the way, a lot of scholars believe that these ten men, some of them were Samaritans and some of them were Jewish. It's amazing when, when we're suffering, we don't care the background of people if we're suffering together. Am I right? Yeah. And so that's what, so, so as he's going through here on his way to Jerusalem, he's meeting all kinds of people. It says here, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. He met crooks. He met outcasts. Again, Luke 19. Look at this next passage. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. We all know him. We know the, some of us know the song. He was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Remember that? Yeah. Because he was a chief tax collector. Ooh, tax collector. Anybody ever been audited besides me? I've been audited six, five, six times. Wait, how do you think I feel about tax collectors? One time I was audited, I kid you not, the guy goes, he's running me through the ringer. And I go, I want to invite you to church. Wait, you want me to come to church? I can't believe after what I've done to you. And I said, well, Jesus loved the tax collectors. True story. Why do I have to say that? That's a true story. So he's, and, and by the way, these tax collectors back then, they were outcasts. They were looked down upon. But why? Because they would line their pockets. They would overtax people and, and take the rest of the money and line their own pockets. That's why Zacchaeus stands up after meeting Jesus and simply says, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him back four times. And Jesus says, that man, salvation's come to that man's house today. That's the kind of stuff you see. You see Jesus looking at an outcast, a tax collector, somebody that nobody wants to be around, and he sees them, he notices them. Is there a lesson there? No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, or what pedigree you've got, Jesus notices you. Praise God. Jesus sees you. Jesus values you. And it's on this road, see. He meets religious people. Look at Luke 14.1 here. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. So now he goes into the house of a, of a Pharisee. In Luke 22, look at this passage. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. The road to Easter leads to powerful people. Again, here's another passage. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. You see how we're going to be able to get through 26 scriptures this morning already? Is that enough right there? Luke is a doctor. He's into the details. And he's saying, look at all the details here. Look at all the different people. What's he trying to tell us on this road to Easter? It's not for a special group of people. This road is not just for some elite, special group of of people. It's for anyone. It's for everyone. And it's for you. I heard somebody say one time, I used to believe this, all roads lead to heaven. That's not true. Let's just get that clear. Okay? All roads don't lead to heaven. But the road to Easter leads to all people. Leads to you. Leads to me. Thank God. 
Why? Because no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're from, Jesus wants to meet you. And so the road to Easter passes right by you, close by you. You don't have to... The road isn't miles away. It's right there close to you. That's the first thing. This road is about the people Jesus meets. I want to encourage you this month to read Luke 9, 51, all the way to 24. And when you get done, do it again. Do it again all this month. Or if you're really brave, there's a there's a book called 30 Days with Jesus by F. Lagard Smith. And if you don't know much about that book, you can Google that thing or you can talk to our bookstore and they might be able to help you there. And it's incredible, these 30 days with Jesus, that you'll learn this road, this journey he takes. So what's the next thing? Well, this road to Easter is about the places Jesus went. Not just the people he met, but the places Jesus went. You know, roads take you everywhere. Am I right? You get on a road. I remember one time Vernon and I was at the church. I think it was 04. And I walk out after the sermon and uh, we're in my pickup truck. I go, where are we going, Vernon? He goes, that way. We just go. Which road are we taking? Whichever road goes that way, Tim. We're going west, young man. So off we go and we're driving. We end up in Colorado. That's how far this road went. And that's the way roads are. They go somewhere. Right? All roads go somewhere. They Sometimes they take us to the most beautiful places you can imagine. I've I've been on roads and paths. And, and dirt roads that take you, oh, they're just breathtaking. And sometimes the roads will take you to some bad places, some hard places, some dark places. And Jesus, this road to Easter is taking Jesus everywhere. Like I told you, this road passes through the like regions like Samaria and Galilee. Look again here in uh, Luke 17. This is the voice translation. It says, Jesus was still pressing toward Jerusalem taking a road that went along the border between Samaria, considered undesirable territory, and Galilee. So it it takes him through regions, through townships, through counties, you could say. It winds through towns like Capernaum and Jericho and Bethany. Look at this passage here in Luke 13. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. As he's going towards Easter, he's going through all these towns and these different villages, that's, just, that's incredible. Up here on the screen, look at this passage. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And look at this next verse in 29. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. In other words, he's, he's walking along and now he's approaching the Mount of Olives. By the way, when he's in Bethany, he meets people like Mary and Martha and resurrects Lazarus. There's all kinds of cool stuff happening on this road trip. This road winds through streets, city streets, back alleys, over hills, and even goes along the coast. Talk about a coastal drive, Route 1 in California. He's going along the Sea of Galilee on this road trip. It takes him into homes. It takes him into shops. It takes him into synagogues, which is, what's a synagogue? It's not a place to worship, it's a place to learn. It's a school. It's a school building in each of these Jewish towns that teaches them uh, the Torah and the Old Testament. And this road also leads to a garden, a beautiful garden. Look at this passage up here on the screen. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. 
On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. This little road kind of goes a little bit beyond these guys. Knelt down and prayed. By the way, uh, Mike is going to be talking about this passage in two weeks. The road to Gethsemane. And he's going to be talking about what happens. What's, what happens in this garden as Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem? And then the road also leads to the very steps of the temple itself. Look at this passage here in your notes. Jesus entered the temple courts. So we see this road going into all these different places, in the king's palaces, in, and through the doors of a courtroom. And then we also see this road lead, lead our Lord to a place called Golgotha. And to his grave. Luke 23. When they came to the place called the skull. You ever wonder why it's called the place of the skull? They came to the place called the skull. They crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right and the other on his left. We're going to be looking at that in three weeks. This place of the skull. Verse uh, uh, 53 out of uh, chapter 23 of Luke. Luke records. So Joseph took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in cloth. And he put Jesus' body in a tomb that was cut in a wall of rock. This tomb had never been used before. So this road leads to the place of a skull, and then it meanders its way into a tomb. And then the road continues, even after, after Easter. It goes beyond to a place called Emmaus. Here's a passage we're going to be looking at on Easter Sunday. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking to each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. And this road would eventually lead upward. Look what the Bible says here in Luke 24. leads all the way to heaven, church. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and he was taken up into heaven. Remember our very first passage? It's talking about when Jesus knew that it was time he was going to be taken up, and here's the time it happens. What's G- Luke, what are you saying the road to Easter is about? It's about the places Jesus will go. You see, Jesus will go anywhere to any place to save me. He'll go to hell itself. To save me. He'll go through death. He'll go to any place. Church, Jesus will come where you are, right where you are now. There's no place that scares him. You gotta go through, you're not gonna have to go through Samaria, go around Samaria. I haven't got time. I'm going through Samaria. These people are gonna reject you. I don't care. I'm not going around anywhere. I'm going everywhere. And I want you to know He'll come wherever you are to take you to His place. Amen. So you can be where He is. See, this road to Easter leads us out of here. Amen. But there's something else this road does, okay? Before we get there, look at this passage. And that is, and that's this, is that 
Well, no, this, this is what I want you to see. The road, this road is about a promise Jesus made. That's the, that's the last point. It's about a promise that Jesus made. Again, let's look at this passage one more time. When the days were approaching for him to be taken up, Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. It says he set his face toward Jerusalem. He looked toward where he was going and without distraction was determined to get there. See, nothing, this is important for me to hear. I don't know if anybody else needs to hear this. Nothing is going to stop Jesus from getting where he's going. Nothing's going to stop Jesus from reaching Jerusalem. Now, I know there's things that happen to you and I that discourage us, that try to get us off track, to get us off the path of God. And I'll tell you, we need to incorporate this determination of Jesus, of our Lord, that nothing will stop us from being faithful servants of God. Nothing is going to stop us. A critic is not going to stop us. A setback is not going to stop us. Maybe you've got something going on right now. And it's making you pause and making you go, maybe I should just, I'm just so discouraged. So don't set your jaw, set your jaw, look to Jesus and you keep serving. That's how he did it. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And what was that joy? You. You were his joy. And he says, now look at me. I'll help you. Watch me. Follow me. You know, it's funny. I was reading this passage as I was going through these Luke passages. The word somewhere else, I typed that in and I got this place. I got this thing right here in Luke 13. Look at this passage. At the time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Isn't that interesting? I hear people say, I'm going to go church somewhere else. These people are saying, Jesus, you need to go somewhere else. That's <laughs> something. And they're saying, here's why. And at first it sounds so sincere. Herod wants to kill you. Well, we know they're not really for Jesus. They're trying to figure out a way. Well, this will, this drove out so many other people. You know, Herod's tried to kill others. He's trying to kill you. And then he says, Jesus says, Go tell that fox, which by the way, the Greek word behind the word fox is she-fox. I'm not saying it. But you go tell that. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that's a reference to, to his wife, Herodias, because she wore the pants of the family. That's possible. But he's talking about Herod, and he calls... Herod, a female canine. He says, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day I'll reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely, he says, no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. You're not keeping me out. I I am determined to get where I'm going. I'm determined to get to the people and to the place that I'm going. The king of kings is saying, so what? You can't stop me. You can't get me off this road. Why is this so important to Jesus? Why is he so determined 
with this. I mean, this, this town is going to reject him. He's going to be killed. I got to thinking about a question I, I came across listening to some fellows tear apart this passage. And the question went like this. It was a question. Who put Jesus on the cross? It's a great question. Was it the soldiers? Was it Pilate? Who put Jesus on Judas? Who put Jesus on the cross? Well, Tim, we put Jesus on the cross. And then this guy come back with, yeah, but you know who really put Jesus on the cross? God put Jesus on the cross. Why, God? You read Isaiah 53. It says it was His will, God's will, for Him to go through the sufferings of the cross. Why? Because He made a promise. And He was going to fulfill that promise. The road to Easter is about fulfilling God's very first promise. You remember the promise? It's in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve have been deceived by the serpent. And God says, where, where are you guys at? And they come, well, we were, we were, we, we were naked, so we hid. Who told you you were naked? And then here comes the, here comes the blame game. A woman you gave me did it. And then Eve, the serpent that you made did it. A lot of blaming. A lot of, lot of shift, blame shifting going on here. He looks at the serpent and he says, listen, cursed be you. You're going to crawl on your belly the rest of your life. And then he, along with the curse, he makes a promise. Look at the passage. Here's the promise that's made in Genesis 3.15 in the New Century Version. I will make you and the woman enemies to each other. Your descendants and her descendants will be enemies. One of her descendants will crush your head and you'll bite his heel. God's saying, Satan, you may have up the upper hand right now, but my success will be my retribution. You can just imagine Satan. I remember hearing a sermon years ago called The Devil Can't Stop Us Now. I think it was by David Powers. I'm not sure if Bob Hawkins would know better than me than I do. But The Devil Can't Stop Us Now. And I thought, what? A, and I started listening. I remember hearing that sermon years ago. And it was based on this passage. Satan is told, there's somebody coming from this woman, a descendant, that's going to crush your descendant's head. Going to crush you. Going to crush you. And all you're going to be able to do is basically get his heel. I'm thinking about Satan. What, what must have been going through his mind? Because it's right after that little... You know, after this is going on, at this promise, there's two kids born, Cain and Abel. Cain, who seems to be getting himself in a lot of trouble, isn't very on the ball when it comes to worshiping God. Abel's got it all together. God accepts his. And if you're thinking what I'm thinking, if I'm Satan and I'm going, you know, it's going to be one of these offspring. Well, if I'm going to toss my hat, it's going to be Abel. I bet you Abel's the guy. Cain kills Abel. Hmm, what a coincidence. It's over. No descendants. And then Seth is born. And he's the one that Jesus is coming through. 
And you see this scheme of redemption being played out through the whole Old Testament. You've got, you've got to Abraham. Here's Abraham. And Jesus is going to be coming through Abraham. And he's a hundred years old. He can't have kids. And, and poor old Sarah, she's 90. She can't have, what am I worried about? This isn't going to work. Who are these two guys talking to them? Why is she laughing? She's going to have a kid? Isaac? Oh my goodness. I underestimated. I underestimated the power of God here. Watch as Isaac grow. And he's thinking, what, what, when am I going to get my chance to get this, to stop this promise from occurring? And what happens? Ah. Oh, God's going to have him sacrifice his son. I don't even have to do anything. I can just sit back in easy street and watch it happen, watch it play out. What's that ram doing in a thicket? And he just works on down the line. you got Jacob and Esau. And obviously it's Jacob is the favored one. Esau, I'll make sure they fight each other. And maybe we can have another Cain and Abel moment. But somehow Jacob escapes. Then Jacob has 12 sons. This is what I think is funny. God really complicates it. It's kind of like that St. Louis ball caps with the baseball shell game. Got 12 sons. 12? Which one is it? Oh, I see one. You know, got the coat of many colors. He's got it going on, you know, and everything's. That's the guy. I'll have his brothers get rid of him. I got him in pot. Okay, got him in prison. This is not going to work out. And Joseph is not a part of the lineage of Jesus. He's not even, it's, it's another boy in the group, in the family, Judah. Judah? How'd that get by me? And you watch it work its way up till finally you see a little shepherd boy going up against a champion, ten foot tall named Goliath. God, Satan has figured this out. It's got to be that guy because he's after God's own heart. Now I've listened to his songs. I've listened, watched how he lives. He's a kid, and I've got a professional. This will be this will be easy. Five rocks is all he's got. This is what happened. A rock just happens to hit his head. The giant falls, and little ruddy boy David cuts off his head and shakes at everybody. I just imagine Goliath blinking his head. He takes it to Jerusalem. It's a souvenir he's going to keep. And you see this play out over and over. Well, I'll just scatter all of God's people and I'll make it so difficult for this promise to be fulfilled. And off they go into Babylonian captivity, Persian captivity. The Greeks take over. The Romans take over. And then all of a sudden there's this shouting from heaven and shepherds are excited and there's this baby being born and Satan's like, what's this all about? And he figures out a way to say, I'll stop it. I'll get Herod to kill all the kids two years and younger. But Jesus just happens to escape. And when he comes back, he gets he's baptized. And Satan now knows for sure because he hears the voice from heaven say, This is my son who I'm well pleased. He is the guy. His own son. What a dumb man. 
God, how can you be so dumb? I can take this guy out easy. He's a man. Leads him out in, out in the wilderness and there he is tempted. And what happens when he's tempted? I don't, I'm not going to turn stones into bread. Well, you can have all this. I'm not going to bow to you. Jump off the temple and, and, and all of heaven will save you. You know, I'm not doing that either. Oh, what can I do? I know what I'll do. I'll get people to start figuring out a way to kill him. And here he goes to the cross. And I could just see saying, going, this is easy. Man, you're not going to take care of your own son? I take better care of my children than you do, God. And on the cross he goes. And he breathes his last. And they bury him. And now you can just imagine saying, going, I'm still good. I feel good. feel great. And three days later, all of a sudden, I got a headache. What's this? What? The tomb is empty? He's come out of the tomb? How come I feel so weak? My head feels like I've been, it's been crushed. And all I see are some nail prints in his heel. Jesus is determined to fulfill the promise he made. That's what Easter's about. That's what it's really about. He reminds his disciples over and over again how what he's what he's there to do. Look at this passage. Jesus took the twelve aside and told him, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He'll be delivered over to the Gentiles. They'll mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They'll flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. The disciples are having a hard time getting this. It's hidden from them. Why is it hidden? Is God hiding it? God's not hiding it. It's their lack of understanding. Listen, church, the better we understand... What Easter is about, the clearer, the clearer it can be that we can trust God. We can trust His love. We can trust His wisdom. And we can trust every promise He's made. We can have hope like no other group in the world. Jesus said these words here as we close. Uh, we've always heard it said, I am the way, the truth, the life. This is how the message says it. I am the road. Also the truth, also the life. And pay attention, church. No one gets to the Father apart from me. He's saying nobody can get to God without this road. He's the only road. He's the only path. He's the only route. He's the only way to God. If you were to, if, if, I know Siri won't do it because I tried it, but I thought about my imagination asking Siri, uh, Give me directions to God. Take me to God. And I just imagine Siri saying, you turn right on the road to Easter. That's really what the road, the road, this road's about. It's about the people. It doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. He wants to meet you on this road. It's not for special people that have special insight. 
It's for anyone, whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's a road that takes us places and He wants to take us out of our sin into His light, ultimately to heaven. And it's also about a promise that He made. There's over, did you know this? In the United States right now, there's over 4 million miles of roads. You ever feel like we got too many roads? There's times I think we have too many roads. If you factor in the roads and the parking lots all across America, it's a little over 1% of the landmass. It's not that much. But there's 4 million roads, and they go everywhere. There's smooth roads, bumpy roads, there's twisting and turning roads. Some roads are jammed with all kinds of travelers, while others you could go for miles and never meet a single person. Some roads are popular, Route 66. Around here, I-270. Not so popular during rush hour, but it's there. And there's other roads that are just less traveled. But I want you to know some church, this morning, that you can be sure of this. If you take a road, if you take the road, it will take you where it leads. And if I take this road to Easter, it will lead me home. So let me encourage you as we learn about some of the things that happened on this road to Easter that you'll maybe read the book of Luke, read from chapter 9 on those 15 chapters and read it over and over again and make some special notations. Maybe pray over it sometimes and say, God, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to notice? What person do you want me to notice? What place do you want me to notice? What promise do you want me to see and get excited about? And ultimately, when we meet together on Easter Sunday, we can celebrate where this road ultimately takes us. You have a card in your bulletin, and in that uh, that card you can write, if there's something you want to write down, like a prayer request, or maybe a decision you're wanting to make, or you just want to get your name, just put your name on it. You know, after after church, you can drop it in those baskets. And what people will do is they'll pray over those cards. We have a, a, a group of people, a prayer ministry that prays through those cards. They don't call somebody and go, guess what, Ethel? Guess what Joe's doing? Or guess what Sally's doing? None like that goes on. We talk to God. If we're going to gossip, we'll gossip to God about it. How about that? We'll say, God, did you see this? What is, what is he saying? What's going on here? You've got to help. You've got to do something. Maybe there's a decision you want to make. I want to open up the Bible somebody. I want to know a little more about this church. Check that box, and we'll do our best to, to contact you and, and uh, get you to the next mile on this road to Easter. We're going to let you do that while we uh, sing a song after my our prayer. And then we'll uh, close up our, our service together. Thank you so much for coming today. Hope you'll come back and join us next Sunday as we learn about this road of triumph. This road of triumph. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for dedicated men and women who remembered things, who wrote things down. Men like Luke, Father, that would write this down and help us understand a little bit more about your son Jesus. We thank you for that. And Father, we pray that, that as we ponder and think about the people your son met, that we can see ourselves as well being met by Jesus. That that's not a reach. Not at all. That's what he wants to do. And Father, wherever place we're in right now, help us understand that you're right there. Your son is right there wanting to lead us 
to Your ultimate place where You want us to be. And Father, we also pray, we pray earnestly, Father, that we'll understand more and more of what You promise us when we simply trust You. Because we know Your promises are good. How do we know that? We know Your promises are not empty because the tomb is empty. We know that. And so we pray that our hearts will be filled with confidence because of Your Son resurrecting from the dead. Bless our series, Father. Give our speakers insight and wisdom as we share and talk about this road to Easter. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I will never be the same again. I can never return. I close the door. I will walk the path. I'll run the race. And I will never be the same again. I will never be the same again. I can never return. Go back. Lord, close the door. I will walk the path. I will walk the path. I'll run the race. And I will never be the same again. All I fire, come on and soak like